What's good, everybody? This is the Coffee Shop, and my name is Anthony Coffee. And this is the first episode, the very first episode. I'm excited to to go on this journey with y'all and give y'all my thoughts on what's going on throughout the week. Um, it's been a it's been a busy week. I, I will say that with um, a lot of things going on. Um, something that was announced earlier this week which caught me by surprise completely was uh, Roger Goodell saying that NFL stadiums well he should expect a full stadium for the upcoming season now as a diehard Jets fan I'm super excited to hear about that um, maybe they know something about protocols and how they're going to allow fans in the stands. Of course, way more than the average everyday people is. But I'm, I'm excited to, to see how it plays out. Now, I wonder, will you have to show that you're vaccinated? Uh, will it show that you have to wear a mask except for when you're eating? Um, I'm interested to see how the, the protocol is going to take place and how the NFL is going to allow the fans to safely be in the stadiums and be able to enjoy the games again. But not only for the fans, but also for the players as well. Since you have to remember that they have to go through multiple COVID tests throughout the week, make sure that they're negative and they're good to play for the game because as we saw last season in the very beginning it was all out of place um, Pittsburgh had to move a couple of their games back Tennessee got hit I think they ended up playing three games in 14 days or some some crazy mess like that like we had NFL games on a Wednesday I was excited just because there's something to watch on a Wednesday besides nothing. But I'm interested to see how uh, the NFL and the players um, are on board or see how they feel rather on having fans in the, in the stands. And speaking of the NFL players, um, another thing I want to talk about is now there's a, a 17th game that's being added um, for the upcoming season. But not just for this season, but also for, you know, for all of eternity for now, or at least until the next collective bargaining agreement. Now, in the previous, well, last year when it was negotiating, um, this was slid in there somehow, some way, and the NFL... PA decided to approve on it. Now they dropped the ball right there because they didn't negotiate another bye week. Now if there was another bye week involved 
with the 17 game, then it would make sense. Because you're still playing 16 games. Um, you're giving players an extra rest. You put, and not only that, you also have a better chance of putting out the best value for the fans. No one wants to see a game where Taylor Heineke is starting or whoever that fucking third string was starting against the Eagles against Jalen Hurts that, that, that game. Forgot his name. But it's kind of relevant. But it's just the fact that the injuries is going to pile up. And one thing that I wish the NFLPA would have did was just negotiate that by week. Um, even Al Kamara, Alvin Kamara tweeted that it was dumb, some bullshit. And then I agree. Um, but also, I'm curious on what the coaches will do during that time. Because maybe about 10 years ago, um, the NFL and the NFLPA uh, realigned the schedule to where now division games are the last two games of the season. Compared to before, where the last two games was just whatever. And you'll have players resting just because they have everything clinched. Then when they decide to change the schedule, that's when they decide to change it to have it division games just to make it more competitive and to bring in more money. Now, the week 18, I guess it's called week 18, uh, schedule is already out. It's already out right now. And I think is based off the matchups or the standings from the 2019 or 2018 season. One of those two times. But that that schedule, that part of the schedule is already out. Now I will say, I am happy for the extra game. It's just gonna be could have been negotiated differently like um, another thing that they could have did was just um, put in hopefully they added extra roster spots because what they did last year last season was pretty good added expanded IR list expanded the uh, after 53 man roster to I think it's like 58 Now, I hope they keep that from that point forward. Then it will help out with the injuries that will pile on throughout the extra season. And, no, no, it's just, it's just the extra game with no buy doesn't sit right with me, you know? Well, like I said, I'm interested to see what the coaches will do, see if the coaches will decide to bench their players, will decide, hey, We'll put certain players on certain snap counts towards the end of the season just to keep them, keep them healthy. Um, also, I noticed that um, throughout free agency, there's not a lot of big contracts that's being handed out. Like the biggest one, I think, is between Trent Williams, who's now the highest paid offensive tackle, and Dak Prescott, who's now making 40 mil per season. But if you look at the deals that's being handed out, um, it's a lot of, you know, bargain deals. Or some of them we gave the bag. Like Corey Davis. Corey Davis got 
like three years over 40 mil over 50 mil per year and he also got I think like over 30 guaranteed um, and then you look at other players around the league they just get a lot of one year deals like T.Y. Hilton T.Y. got one year 10, 10 mil but eight of it is guaranteed um, Will Fuller got one and I believe 14 or one and 10 with the Dolphins you see a lot of those contracts being handed out which is weird because well actually not weird it's kind of expected being that the salary cap has gone down and being that not a lot of owners or players are willing to dish out that kind of money especially when the new TV deal had just well just now kicked in but wasn't sure at the time also with the salary cap decreasing players already having big contracts already on the roster it makes it pretty hard for certain teams to build like you look at the Niners actually no I take that back if you look at the the Falcons the Falcons is in a tough spot when it comes to building just because of how much money they have tied up and how many holes they have on the on their roster like they need a pass rusher they need somebody at the safety to replace uh, to replace Neil they need a corner um, and some of it they could re they could address in the draft but a lot of it could have been done in free agency but they can't because they don't have cap space um, then if you look at another team like the Colts the Colts could rebuild through free agency but they saving their money for all the people that they have to pay in-house then if you look at the Patriots the Patriots are the only team that really went out and spent some bread in this free agency they're the only ones that did now would that translate to wins I don't know as a Jets fan I don't but you know we still got the draft coming up still got training camp and preseason and still got plenty of time to to see how it all plays out now speaking of the draft I do want to know how Zach Wilson is getting all of this hype I mean at first Trevor Lawrence is going number one no matter what like there's no need to talk about that but where did Zach Wilson come from <laughs> I mean really because at first it was Kyler Traskett from Florida I probably butchered his name then it was Justin Fields but Justin Fields been up and down throughout the draft board um, then it's Trey Lance but Trey Lance only played I think one game the past season but then even then, like he's projected to go to the Niners just because of the offensive system and because the Niners gave away like two or three first round picks. But where did Zach Wilson come from? Like that's 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 where I want to know. Cause I I seen in his combine and he was impressive. He was really, really impressive. I liked the way he was able to um, get the ball out of his hands. He was on target with a lot of his throws. 
but the thing that you know I'm looking it's like okay what warrants him to be the number two quarterback because just looking at his numbers he passed for he has 73 and a half completion percentage for 3,600 yards with 33 touchdowns, three interceptions. Okay, that's cool. So then I started looking. I'm like, okay, who did he play? Okay, he played Navy, played Houston, Boise State. Uh, he lost to Coastal Carolina. And it's like, you know, who did he beat? What what the level of competition did he beat? Who was the toughest team he played? And you can say Central Florida. But even then, you know, Central Florida was, I don't even know if they was ranked at the time. So it's like, okay, where did he come from? Like, how did he get his name so high up the draft boards to where the Jets take him? Now, if I was the Jets, mean that I'm a Jets fan. Now, if I was the Jets, I would take Justin Fields. Just because Justin Fields can move better throughout the pocket. But the only downside with Justin Fields is he played for Ohio State. And if you look at within the past, I don't know, 20 years, name me one good quarterback that came from Ohio State. Leave a comment. Like leave 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 a comment on who was the last good Ohio State quarterback to play in the NFL and succeed in the NFL. That's 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 my 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 that's my biggest knock. Is who who's been the most successful assistant? Because JT Barrett didn't last. Um, Troy Smith. Uh, what well, I mean, you could say Braxton Miller, but even then he turned to a receiver, and then even then his receiving career kind of fizzled out now. So that's my only knock. Now about the Jets, I like said I'll go get Justin Fields. I'll take that chance. And then, if I was the Niners, I'd go ahead and take Zach Wilson. But even though that's not going to happen, the Jets going to take him. And then I would take, and if I was the Falcons, I'd go ahead and take Trey Lance. And then also, I don't know where, where Mac Jones is coming from either. Because I looked at most of the draft boards, and he's in the top. 20 on some people's eyes but I don't know where the notion of he's going number 3 come from either like in reality I watched him at Alabama and I wasn't like fully impressed with with him I think it was just more of the weapons around him that make him look good if that makes any sense but I, don't, I, I didn't see anything really impressive about Matt Jones I think he was just a part of um, another one of Alabama systems to make him look good. I don't know, but that's just me.
Now, next thing I want to get into now is the NBA. Now, at first, I wasn't a fan of the super team because the Nets got Blake Griffin and they got LaMarcus Aldridge. They got KD last offseason. They traded for James Harden. They traded like the last, well, not last, but the next like four years of their future for James Harden. And then you signed Kyrie last offseason with Durant. At first, I wasn't a fan of this because I'm like, well, you got LaMarcus Aldridge. He's already established. You got Blake Griffin. He's already established. But then I started doing, I started thinking even more about it. And I'm like, well, LaMarcus Aldridge is only 35, 36 years old. So you're not asking him to do much. You're not asking him to drop 30 and, and grab 15 rebounds like he was back in Portland. Like, you ain't asking for that. And then looking at Blake, it's like, well, Blake is 32, and you're not asking Blake to dunk all over people and to carry an offense anymore. Because those days are far behind him. Like, if you look at the Nets as a team and how they're built, all they're asking Blake to do is to run the baseline to catch alley-oops, or to catch putback dunks and pick and pop for three. Then you look at Marcus Aldridge, and all the Nets asking him to do is to pick and pop for three, especially in the corner, and every once in a while hit your little post fadeaway. That is it. Because I don't think they're playing that many minutes either. But then again, this is only. I think Lamarck's second game and Blake's third game. They haven't been on the team long. So I expect their minutes to increase. And then also I expect their role maybe to increase a little bit as well. Especially since KD is out. Who knows when he would be back. And then James Harden also don't know when. He will come back as well. So right now it's just Kyrie, Blake, and Aldridge and the rest of the Nets. And then even looking at the Lakers, how they have a quote-unquote a super team. But if you look at that roster, that roster is constructed to have LeBron run the show. And they're not, and just like the Nets, the Lakers is asking their role players not to do much. Like, Andre Drummond to the Lakers. Like, yeah, he got hurt within like the first 10 minutes of him on the floor. But if he understands his role correctly, all he has to do is just rebound, catch alley-oops, and play a decent amount of defense. That's it. That was JaVale McGee's role when he was on the team last year. That was Dwight Howard's role last year when he was on the team. Just rebound, catch alley-oops, play defense. If Andre Drummond understands his role, then that would be fine. But everybody else understands their role, like Montrez Harrell. Rebound, play defense, catch alley-oops. Kyle Kuzma, just Score buckets off the bench. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. Um, 
like the the team and the way it's it's structured is to let everyone just do their job and let LeBron and AD do everything else. You know, because even when it was just LeBron, you saw that he was doing everything else. Dennis, then that's when like the Dennis Schroeders and the Kyle Kuzma and Contavia KCP, sound for like pronounce his name, um, started to get their groove a little bit. But but the super team is different because everybody, like I said, everybody knows their role. With the Nets, every the people, two of them are past their prime. With the Lakers, no one's past their prime. It's just everybody know their role. And then even with the Thunder, not Thunder, the Warriors, when they did their super team with KD, yeah, that wasn't fair from a basketball standpoint because you got two people who could create their own shot and three people who could drop 50 on you anytime they want to. Like, that just isn't fair. And that took the joy out of it. Or when Miami with LeBron, big three. That was OP because everybody knew what to do. I had three guys who could drop 30 on you at any time. But that team was fun to watch, though. Even looking back at it now, that is, Miami LeBron was like was fun as fuck to watch. Just watching him and Wade throw alley oops, and they played hella defense, which nobody really talks about. Like we see the highlights of them dunking, and the championships and shit, but they don't show the defense that they legitly played, which led led to all those alley oops and dunks and shit. That's besides the point. Um. But like I said, I I was hating on the the super team. I was I was for a split second. Um, and honestly, I think players should join up. Honestly, now it's not fair that they do it in the big market teams such as Boston, L.A., New York, Miami. Like I do want to see a super team in Atlanta or in freaking Utah. Like, Denver has somewhat of a big three if Jamal Murray would stay consistent. Then that would be a big three of him, Jokic, and Michael Porter Jr. But I do want to see small market teams get big name players. But the downside of that is hard. It's hard for small market teams to to get big players, big name players. It's hard for to pitch if you're the Grizzlies to pitch to James Harden. Hey, come play in Memphis. Yeah, they ain't shit doing Memphis, and you can't expand yourself. But at least you can hoop, and you can help our team win. It's like it's, it's a super hard sell. Um, the players care more about Brandon and 
expanding their name outside of the NBA. Like, yeah, like from a basketball standpoint, Kawhi could have stayed in Toronto. Because that makes sense, especially from a systematic point of view. He actually fit that offense. That roster was perfect. But because Kawhi couldn't brand himself in Toronto, that's part of the reason why he went to L.A. Like, Giannis is is an exception to the rule just because he was homegrown. Like, Trey Young... If he stays in Atlanta, he would be another exception to the rules. Small market team, big name, and could expand his brand in a small market team. Uh, ja Morant as well. Like those are you know few exceptions. Donovan Mitchell, but Donovan Mitchell needs to put up James Harden's numbers just to get the brand and the respect on his name that he deserves. But the but uh I wouldn't necessarily put a limit on where teams where players can sign, all stars can sign. Cause ultimately what you're saying is you're limited to places where I can go and that's not fair. But I will say that in order for a small market team to attract big name players, there's got to be more than basketball. There's there's got to be a lot more than just basketball. Cause it's like, okay, why should I live in Memphis compared to LA? Why should I live in Charlotte or in Portland instead of Miami? Or Massachusetts, you know what I mean? Like, why why should I live there? Or why should I play basketball there from a career standpoint? Um, but I'm I'm excited to see what the Nets will do, and I'm excited to see what the playoffs. Um, excited to see what the playoffs will happen. And I've been doing a little bit of research on this Stephen A. versus Westbrook fiasco. And I agree with both sides. I see both both arguments. But I agree with Stephen A. when he said, you know, the numbers don't mean anything because they don't translate to wins. And I can see that. Because even if you look at Westbrook throughout his career, like he always put up these types of numbers, but don't really do anything. It don't really produce to anything besides, hey, my numbers look good. All it does is, is just moves him up on the stats board. <clears throat> and at some point, I. Like, maybe Westbrook would have understood to take the ball out his hands more and give it to somebody else. Or to, you know, rely on the help around him. Because I understand in OKC, when he had 
a triple double in back to back seasons or three straight seasons. Um, you know, he didn't really have anybody. You know, Durant left. Ibaka was beyond gone by then. I mean, you had Oladipo, but Oladipo wasn't Oladipo now. You had uh, Tobias uh, Sabanonis. If I butcher your name, my bad, big dog. You had him, but he wasn't fully developed at the time. Uh, I think you had Schroeder as well. But I think Schroeder wanted to... No, he was with Atlanta. No, I think he did have Schroeder. But for like one season, and... You know, he was more of a bench player there. Um, you had Reggie, Jack and Reggie Jackson next to you. And Reggie Jackson was fine. But he wanted a bigger role, just to find out. From an NBA standpoint, of course, Reggie Jackson can come to the YMCA and bust everybody ass. But from an NBA standpoint... Of course, he was trash, and he was going to fizzle out. Um, but, I, but you know, Westbrook didn't have any help. Then when he got traded to Houston, it was like, okay, you got your help, so you ain't got to haul the ball that much. You got somebody next to you who could score right next to you. But once again, he still felt like he had the green light and still did what he wanted to do. Triple-double, cool. But you got bounced out the first round. Or the second round, one or two. Yeah, you got bounced out the second round. Because you lost in five to the Lakers. So, I understand what Stephen A was just like. Yo. Uh, these triple doubles don't result to wins, man. So, show me, show me some wins. And then we could have this conversation. We also understood Westbrook's side of the view, side of the story of, a. I made it out the hood. I'm getting paid millions of dollars just to play ball. If I win no chip, cool. My legacy is already solidified. I'm already a champion wherever I go, no matter what kind of dirt you put on my name. Cause of course, like. Less than you're doing what less than one percent of the population is doing, which is playing in the NBA. Less than one percent, and you're making a difference in your community in process. So I see what he's saying that yo, I'm I'm already good. Where I'm at, I'm still gonna hoop the way I hoop. I'm I'm a champion no matter what you say. So, I I definitely understand what Westbrook is coming from. And I'm not on neither side. I'm neutral on this. I really am because I I don't. I think that's just pettiest pettiness. Sports media doing what they usually do. Try to get some. Get some likes and get some of the people to talk about, but here I am talking about it. So, but in that, that's it, man. Like, it's the end of the episode. If you made it this far, man, this is the coffee shop, man. Well, thank you for tuning in to the first episode. You can find me on Instagram at the underscore coffee underscore shop with two P's. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as well at 
the coffee shop P2. Uh, like, comment, subscribe. And if you made it this far, thank you for tuning in. And I am out!